Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on September 17, 2012. Beth Lenstra, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division, interviewed John Baldwin, Director of the Iowa Department of Corrections, or DOC, regarding the creation of the DOC, current challenges and opportunities, and future issues of Iowa's corrections system. Hello, my name is Beth Lenstra. I'm a Senior Fiscal Analyst for the Legislative Services Agency. Today I will be talking with John Baldwin, who's the Director of the Department of Corrections, also known as the DOC. Hello, John, and thanks for coming in today. Beth, it's nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Could you please let me know when you first started as the director of the Department of Corrections? Sure. I started in January of 07. Could you provide a brief description of your career in corrections? Of all the things that are unique about corrections, I started on April 1st. I thought that was a very good day to start in corrections. In 1977, and to show you how much times have changed, I applied for the job as the business manager at Oakdale, which was called Iowa Security and Medical Facility back then. And I went for my interview and I walked in the door and basically was told that I had the job. And I said, why? And he said, the doctor who was doing the interview, a psychiatrist by the way, said, well, you're the only one who applied for the job and I have to hire you. So that's how I got into the Department of Corrections. I was the only one either smart enough or otherwise to apply for the job at Oakdale. And I was the Oakdale business manager. And you progressed up the ladder, obviously. I did, I did. I was there until a call came from Des Moines, and Des Moines back then was, of course, the evil place. And that put out all these rules and regulations. Got a call from uh, Hal Ferrier, who was the division director under the Department of Social Services for Corrections. And he had said that the legislature had passed a law and was signed into law by Governor Branstad that they were going to split the agency up. The social services would become human services and then corrections on October 1st of 1983. And he wanted to know if I would come up along with two others and help write policy procedures and from nothing create a separate agency. And that was certainly a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And from there you became deputy director? Yep, and I was working both jobs. I was up here writing policy procedures, hiring people for the new Department of Corrections, and then in my spare time I was a full-time business manager at Oakdale. When we were expanding by 200 beds, we were building the reception center then, and so I got to spend a lot of time driving back and forth down I-80 trying to squeeze both jobs in, and it certainly taught me a great deal that I carried forward as to how the DOC runs because it does, like most agencies, it has its own internal system of how things work and that was a big help to me. What have been your toughest challenges in corrections during your tenure? (laughs) Oh, we've seen a lot in our tenure. Clearly, the toughest challenges from a sort of macro perspective, Beth, would be the staffing issues money issues, the whole treatment approach that DOC has had over the years. Clearly, just always trying to keep staff safe, keep enough staff employed, 
having enough funds to have staff but also have effective treatment programs have really been our toughest challenges. And to say those have gone down would not be true. I'm not sure they're worse than they were in the 70s or 80s or 90s, but it clearly is one that Corrections is an agency that we just like to have people. We really believe that a good, strong staff you know, helps keep folks safe. Having said that, the staff have proven over and over again, given all sorts of adverse conditions over the last 30 years, that they rise to the occasion very, very well. And Corrections people just do a great job of accepting what they have and moving on. And I think that speaks volumes about the people that we have employed with us. What would you consider one of your greatest accomplishments? Off the top of my head, I would think there are a couple. I think one is the ICON system, which we've talked about in the past. We are the only state agency, I think, in corrections, at least across the United States, that is truly an evidence-based operation. We deal a lot with evidence on a daily basis, which programs work, which programs don't and so on and so forth. That's been a huge thing, but at the same time, you use evidence, you can't let it overcome what the line staff think or line staff believe. Our work is full of data, it's full of facts, but it's also full of trust and relationships that staff build with the offenders to make the whole system work. Having said that then, clearly the building of our community-based corrections operation. We've had some wonderful residential facilities out there. And I would say the opportunity to rebuild Fort Madison, it's going to be, I think, a spectacular institution when it's completed. And really, more importantly, the women's institution at Mitchellville. We have invested a lot of time and money in all of our institutions, all of our CBCs, we think we have done a good job finally realizing that men and women react differently to different circumstances. It took us years to figure that out. And we think we've designed at Mitchellville a prison and a treatment complex that will produce wonderful results for the women. And that we hope to see in the next 10 to 15 years a significant drop in the recidivism rate. We're spending a lot of our money on mental health and just general health care for the female population, when I mean, that's going to pay huge rewards for the citizens of Iowa. And as far as Fort Madison is concerned, it's going to be a much safer environment. We're going to have, again, a fairly robust medical component and mental health component. And then the CBCs that we have brought online recently, those in Sioux City, Atoma, and Waterloo, really speak to all the things we've learned over the years as a department about how to build an effective place, not only for the safety and security of staff and offenders, but for better treatment results. In looking at the future for the Department of Corrections, mm -hmm. what do you see as the future uh, challenges? The future challenges, I think, are going to be as the DOC population hopefully continues to migrate downward and we hit that point where we are truly incarcerating those who need to be incarcerated instead of those we're just mad at. I believe the Department of Corrections in Iowa, and I think nationally, you're going to see it become a mix of almost small pods. I don't mean that in a construction sense, I mean it in, I think the severely mentally ill are going to be one pod. 
I think the geriatric sex offenders are going to be another pod. I think those who have some functioning level but still have mental illness are going to be another pod. I think the plain geriatric are going to be another pod. The youthful offenders are coming in. We're seeing more and more young people committing really heinous crimes who are sentenced to life in Iowa. Now that of course has been changed by the U.S. Supreme Court, but still Iowa has a long time to serve. I think you're going to see more and more of that sort of breaking up the whole gang issue. You're going to see more and more, if you will, micro groups of people in the institutions where in the past those have been a bit more amorphous. I think you're going to see those coalescing around some very specific areas. I think that's a huge challenge for the Department of Corrections in the next 5, 10, 15 years is how is the state going to deal with these very specific needs that right now are fairly small but are growing every day. So trying to provide specialized treatment services to a very specific, small, discrete yes. subpopulation. That is correct. You touched briefly on the split up of the Department of mm -hmm. Social Services. Could you expound on that just a little bit more as to why they'd split up the Department of Social Services? Sure. Back in the early 80s, there was a variety of events, probably culminating with the riot at Fort Madison in 1981. And we were, we being the Department of Corrections, was a division of then social services, a large umbrella agency that had the MHIs, the Woodward and Glenwood, it had the juveniles that had this huge network, as it does now, of social workers, income maintenance workers, and the like scattered in all 99 counties. And Iowa was losing lawsuit after lawsuit in the prison system because of care issues, because of not enough staff issues. And I think the combination of that led policymakers in the session in January of 83 to decide that the department needed to be split up. The Department of Social Service needed to be split up into two functioning groups. One would be the adult correction system and the community-based corrections, which was just in its infancy back then. And then the mental health side of the equation, the social workers and maintenance workers, would stay with DSS. And so there was legislation passed. I think it was somewhat contentious back then. But it did pass and it was signed into law that on October 1st, 1983, as I mentioned earlier, DOC became what is known obviously now as the Department of Corrections. And then social services had a name change from social services to the Department of Human Services. And they both moved on after that. And truthfully, we still work very closely with the Department of Human Services. They have been very supportive of us. They've helped us when we've needed help. And I think, by and large, the relationship has worked very, very well. And I think the department has grown so big that we needed to be split because we have 3,700 employees and now DHS has over 5,000. And that had been an 8,700 employee. Again, I just don't think that's a workable number in this state. So having separate agencies or separate departments provides better oversight for both the executive and legislative branches? I think it does, yeah, absolutely. How was the employee morale during and after the split? 
You know, I honestly don't think people worried about employee morale back then. And I think the issue was the institutions back then were really run very separately. I mean, there was control out of Des Moines, but those were back in the days when you would send a letter. I mean, email didn't exist. Prior to that, office vision, the OV system didn't exist. You had to write a letter, stamp it, and send it in in the U.S. mail, of course, and the institutions would say, we never got it. And they really operated as almost like many departments out there. And so it was a very different situation than we had now. The Department of Corrections back then always sort of like, why don't we have as many staff as the other institutions? But we are truly a different operation. While we would complain about it, we are functionally very, very different. But I think what focused the Department of Corrections now, the staff back then who are still around in 82 and 83 to want to split out was we were just losing too many lawsuits. We couldn't retain staff. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, we were hiring 200 new staff a year at Fort Madison alone. And they only had a staff of like 300. So it was virtually a 66% turnover every year. And that just wasn't good. And so in that sense, we were very frustrated and people wanted a different solution. And I think that led to some letters that are saying we ought to split apart. I'm not sure that had anything directly to do with the whole split up, but I think people sensed that there was a better way. So it provided additional training and professionalism to mm -hmm. the staff to be a separate department mm -hmm. and just more highlight that that is a professional career to be in corrections. Correct. I think everybody likes to have recognition. And instead of being a part of a large agency, we became our own. And with that came an improved morale. We identified with this as being ours and it was our mess. We couldn't blame it on anybody else. And I think all of us in corrections welcomed the increase in responsibility. That concludes. Are there any more questions I have for you? If there's anything you would like to say at the end here? Thank you, but I will pass. Well, I do thank you for coming in today and your busy schedule, and I do thank you for your many years of public service. Thank you. Thank you, Ben.